Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Hello and welcome to Nick's Nerd News, coming at you live from WKKBG in the morning. You like my morning jock, my morning shock jock? Granted, if I was really a morning shock jock DJ, that would have sounded a whole lot better. I was just trying to have have fun with you guys there. You know, just trying to change it up. Not trying to be the same boring talking head as I've come to be 67 weeks later from the beginning. Anyway, anyway... As always, uh, thanks for listening to the show. If you don't already know, you can check out nixnerdnews.com and you can find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram there. Also links to the show's Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes pages if you like to listen on the go. You can also listen to us right there in the browser if, if that's your forte. But, but, let's get right into the nitty gritty, as Scott Rogowski used to say on HQ Trivia. The thick of it, as some others might, across the interwebs. But, as always, we start with what's going on in the video game world. And quite a bit of news, even though Gamescom Gamescom starts uh, tomorrow, unofficially, officially, with that opening night. Uh, That's tomorrow morning, 11 a.m., as we stated last week. But... Uh, first things first, a lot of, lot of Microsoft news, actually, surprisingly. Uh, Matt Booty, who's head of Xbox Game Studios, uh, formerly Microsoft Game Studios, was being interviewed by Game Informer, and a very interesting question came up in regards to, uh, you know, Xbox published games being on other platforms. And he had this to say, uh, Matt Booty... I think that the question is less binary about should it be on Switch, should it be on PlayStation, and more, does it make sense for the franchise? In other words, is it a kind of game where it would benefit from the network effect of being on a bunch of different platforms? Or is it a game where we can best support it by putting resources and making sure that our platforms, things like xCloud, Game Pass, and Xbox Live, are really leaning in to support the game? Now, don't don't go running around with the chicken... With like its head cut off, okay. This doesn't mean that Halo or Gears or Forza are going to be on other platforms. What what he was really talking about mostly is studios like Double Fine and uh, Obsidian, especially with. Uh, granted, they purchased those studios with games already in development that were already announced for other platforms, so that's happening. But I I don't think he means other things. And and he also goes on to say, with something like Minecraft, I think it was a no-brainer that we were never going to try and take anything from players that existed on those platforms. And certainly we've added platforms since that acquisition. But then obviously we're going to have our big franchises like Forza, Halo, and Sea of Thieves, where those games are designed from the outset to really exist on Xbox. I think that will continue. So, again, the major franchises will stay put. Smaller things from some of their other studios might see releases on other platforms, especially like Double Fine. They have a history of being multi-platform. I, I don't think it would be smart to leave it there. Hell, we already saw Cuphead go to Switch. Um, I'm sure more are coming based off, off 
all the things that have been hinted at in 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 the past but again that's that's something to be seen i i don't think i don't think anyone should be worried the Fortnite world champion that 16 year old kid who won a couple million dollars a couple weeks back was playing live on twitch and some jerk off decided to to call the swat team on him now swatting is something luckily that's been going down in recent years uh, it's still horrible i mean there was some guy that swatted some other player the cops ended up going to the wrong house and shot and killed a dude and the guy who caused the swatting is getting the throw the book thrown at him and good because he needs to be made an example of you shouldn't be calling the cops on another player just because you didn't like how he played or that he beat you like that's the most childish immature irresponsible dangerous thing anyone could do People have lost their goddamn minds. Luckily, one of the cops that got called to the house lived in the area, knew the kid, and they were able to handle things peacefully and resolve it without realizing that this was all a joke and some asshole decided to pull a prank on the cops. Like, fucking stupid. I don't care if it's Fortnite. It's like, you're putting people's lives at risk because you're sending cops who you don't know might be trigger happy or not because they're jittery, because they, they've, the SWAT team's been sent expecting a, a dangerous individual, and, and uh, you're, you're, you're risking so much over a fucking video game. Like, come on, people. Grow the fuck up. God. Jesus. Uh, Mo Yang, the developers of Minecraft, uh, have sadly announced uh, two years after they announced it that the Super Duper Graphics Pack has been canceled for Minecraft. Uh, they said that it proved... Too technically demanding to implement as planned. Uh, we aren't happy with how the pack performed across devices. For this reason, we're stopping development on the pack and looking into other ways for you to experience Minecraft with a new look. Honestly, that's fine. That's smart. They don't want to release something that's going to be broken and not working. Good good for them. I, I applaud that. I applaud that. Unfortunately, it's not coming. Don't really care. I don't really play Minecraft. It's there for my nephews to play when they're here because they can't play a lot of the games that I purchase and play, uh, just because they're younger. Splinter Cell might not be coming back in the way you expected. Uh, Yves Guimau, the CEO of Ubisoft, was being interviewed. All these people being interviewed, Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, said that to Gamer Sky, which I guess is a Chinese outlet, on Splinter Cell, there will be some new type of experiences, but not... Uh, but more on different devices. So, we are working a lot on the brand today to come back at one point. I.e., don't expect a single uh, 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 Splinter Cell game for quite a while. Um, they're going to focus on probably mobile bullshit and VR bullshit like they announced for Oculus a couple weeks back. Or more tie-ins like they did with Ghost Recon Wildlands where, you know, you could play with Sam Fisher. I don't think you could play as Sam Fisher. So I'm sure you can expect more things like that. David Cage of Quantic Dream, the makers behind uh, Heavy Rain and Detroit Become Human, has announced that moving forward, all of their games will no longer be exclusive and will all be multi-platform. Um, that's obviously after the release of all of his most recent games on PC this year. Um, and fun fact, 
He was originally working on Heavy Rain to be an Xbox exclusive before Sony came in and uh, changed things up. I think one of his... uh, He did have a game on the original Xbox back in the day. Uh, Granted... He's got like three, four years before every game, so it, it and they always have some sort of controversy or deep thought th- thinking behind them. So uh, obviously, you know, with Detroit Become Human, it's all about humanity and, and things like this. Uh, got a new sp- uh, trailer for Need for Speed Heat. Uh, it will come out November 8th. It was just announced, actually, I should say, Need for Speed Heat, the new game in the Need for Speed series. EA did announce that it will not have loot boxes, but at the same time... Uh, this game just looks i don't know i do not know uh ghost games took over for the franchise a a few years ago and uh, they have not done well with with it um mild mild reviews nothing nothing spectacular this game looks like it's almost looks like it's almost trying to be a little too much like midnight club than the old need for speeds and i i don't know i don't know if that's a good thing i don't know if I, I don't know. It just looks like um, I, I feel like Need for Speed's time has come. I mean, it's it's kind of been going down, if you will, as as time goes on. And and I I don't mean I, I don't know. I just I feel like they've kind of been Need for Speed just isn't what it used to be. I'll say that. And there's a lot of other racing games that have that have come out in in the past since Need for Speed's heyday. I mean, you look at Forza Horizon, Project Cars. Uh, I don't think we have, we don't really have like a street racing game anymore per se. So, I mean, maybe Need for Speed's there to fill that gap. We do have something, we do have something like that, obviously, in, in, uh, uh, Forza. Not, not really though, but let me, let me just put it this way. Uh, Need for Speed Payback, which was the last most recent game, which came out in 2017, Metacritic score, 62 out of 100 on PC, 61 out of 100 on PS4, Xbox One. Electronic Gaming Monthly, 4 out of 10. GameSpot, 5 out of 10. Games Radar somehow gave it a 3.5 out of 5. IGN, 5.9 out of 10. Polygon, 6.5 out of 10. And then if you go back to the Need for Speed Reboot, which was 2015, the first one Ghost Games did, uh, that came out in 2015. Metacritic, 68 on PC, 66, 65, PS4, Xbox One. And then uh, the highest review came from GameSpot, which gave it an 8 out of 10, and Game Trailers 8.3. Otherwise, IGN 6.3, Giant Bomb 2 out of 5, Games Radar 3 out of 5, Game Informer 7 out of 10, EGM 7 out of 10, Destructoid 6 out of 10. So uh, a little better, but still not great. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're not hitting 70, you're still not... You're, it's an okay game. It's nothing, nothing spectacular, really. Uh, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens when it comes out. I'll I'll. Uh, it's something that I would give. A, a, I would wait on. I would personally wait on. Um, that that's me. But ooh, game rankings are even lower. Anyway, if you like Need for Speed, I'm sure you'll be into it. Personally, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that. Um. THQ Nordic, who's always, always in the news, it seems like, has a formally announced New Saints Row being, coming from Volition, and it's uh, deep in development. Dead Island 2 is moving over to Dambuster Studios, which is its, its third studio, and announced that Time Splitters will be back in some capacity. They even went as far as to hire the 
co-creator of this of the franchise back um, to bring him back to work on a new Time Splitters game. No word on if it will be a continuation like Time Splitters Three. If it will be a reboot, probably reboot at this point. It's been a little too long. Uh, who knows though? So it'd be uh, it'd be interesting to see how that that works. Halo and Three Four Three announced that two point six million player created game types were transferred to the Master Chief Collection last week between Reach, Halo 3, and I think Halo 4 from 360. So that means all those things were transferred up for people to have on MCC on PC and Xbox One Master Chief Collection. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous that that many, that many people still had access to their uh, 360s to put that stuff in the file share to, to, to save it. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen at the end of the month when when map types, created maps, go up? That's just an insane amount of people and numbers, I should say. Uh, uh, Sony announced uh, four new DualShock 4 colors. Uh, they're coming in rose gold, electric purple, titanium blue, and red camo. So those are going to... I think those are available now if you're looking for a new PlayStation 4 controller. Uh, the lead producer for Anthem has left BioWare. In uh, not so shocking surprise, so uh, I wonder if their ten-year plan is still in the works. Um, I I just I don't think uh, I don't think that game's gonna do anything of of what they thought it was. That's just it's uh, it's unfortunate because it, it had a lot of potential, but then it just it crashed and burned, just crashed and burned completely. And yeah. Unfortunately, uh, that's what's happening. And uh, WoW Classic, which is coming out soon, uh, apparently has an overpopulation problem on its servers, and they had to open up a new server and are urging players to move to the new server so they don't have to worry about waiting uh, too long to get into WoW Classic and, and play. Uh, something in the millions of players, which is insane to think about. And then two major, major Xbox stories this week. Uh, Phil Spencer was being interviewed by by GameSpot, and uh, he had this to say on the next Xbox. Ensuring that the games load incredibly fast, ensuring that the game is running at the highest frame rate possible, we're also the Windows company. So we see the work that goes on for PC and the work that developers are doing. People love 60 frames per second games, so getting games to run at 4K 60 FPS I think will be a real design goal for us. Uh, he also continued... How fast do games load? Do I feel like it can get into the game as fast as possible? And while it's playing, how does it feel? Does this game both look and feel like no other game that I've seen? That's our target. So clearly, uh, he also said, We really like the reception and the use that we've seen through the Xbox One backwards compatibility program. Making sure that all four generations of content, so the original Xbox games that run on your Xbox One today, the OG Xbox, the 360 games that run on your Xbox One, your Xbox One games, and the new generation games all run on the next platform is important to us. We want to respect the games that you've brought from us, bought from us, we want to make sure that the generations can play with each other. So if you happen to adopt the next generation early and somebody stays back, that if their games are on both platforms, you'll be able to cross-gen play, he explained. Uh, this is all with, with GameSpot. Uh, he also said, This generation, we came out with the Elite Controller. We've done work on controllers and people have invested in personalized controllers. The things that they love and we want to make those compatible with future generations of our console as well. 
So essentially he's just saying, if you go to Scarlet next year, you're not going to be jumping. Uh, I don't want to say that. that That's not right. Um, you're not going to be left behind if you don't get Scarlet right away, like maybe some other people that might. And even if you do, you'll be able to bring your controller, at least officially the Xbox One Elite controller version 2, a lot of your games and things like this. So you're not going to be left in the dust like traditional console uh, generations do. And he also wants just people to understand that they're focusing on making sure that they're going to be able to compete with the PC market and other things like this. And they're not going to be behind like they were this past console generation. And it's good to hear the head of a, a, a game company like that to be so frank and when i say game company i mean the head of the xbox division at microsoft uh biggest gaming news though this week has to do with halo infinite and tim longo who was the creative director on halo infinite has left 343 industries this is per kotaku and jason schreier uh, they announced that executive producer Mary Olson will now lead the campaign team for Halo Infinite, and 343 studio head Chris Lee remains overall lead on the game's overall vision. Uh, Microsoft said, Tim Longo has recently departed our team, and we are truly thankful for his many contributions to our games, our studio, and the Halo universe. Um, they also said that the overall creative vision and production of the game remains led by Chris Lee, studio head of In Halo Infinite. These changes have no impact to the release date for Halo Infinite. And so essentially they're just saying, don't worry yet. <laughs> um, I guess he had also, Tim Longo had already been like demoted somewhat. And then like a week later he left. So things were maybe not going the way he wanted. Um, Tim Longo was uh, the mastermind behind Star Wars Republic Commando. And a lot of his stuff you could see kind of played out in Halo 5, if you played Halo 5 with the whole squad teammates and everything. And a while back I had praised that. I don't know if I talked about that on this podcast, probably not, but um, I had praised in the past the fact that Tim Longo was going there because I loved Republic Commando. It's probably one of the best, considered one of the best Star Wars games. But unfortunately some that was something that was not really well received in Halo 5. I thought it was okay uh, i liked having buck around and then other players though to, to bounce off of uh in terms of moving the plot forward and uh com comic relief in a way but um i i think we're okay with him not as the creative director as long as chris lee the studio head was still kind of forcing things for i mean at the at the end of the day the studio head is the one making all the final decisions i'm, I'm not worried as long as and it's been hinted that we go back to the art old art style for the elites and some other things. I know a lot of people complain ad nauseum online about the, how the elites were changed. Um, and maybe some of the other alien designs. We look like we're kind of going old school with, with Master Chief's new armor and things like this. So, And then some of the other Forerunner designs seen in the trailers. But as long as Chris Lee is still in charge, I, I don't think we're going to have any problems. While creative directors are important in game design, the studio head and... and Lead producer and executive producers still have a lot of say in, in terms of, of game, uh, how the game progresses. I, I, I don't think we need to sound the alarm yet. We're still a year at least away from release and people are like, oh, this is bad, bad, bad. And it's like, whoa, 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 let's, let's reel it in here. I don't think the game's going to be starting over from scratch anytime soon. I'm sure things will get changed around with the new person, Mary Olsen, taking over camp for campaign. I think there's still plenty of time to build a campaign. And, and I, I'm not, I'm not worried at all I'm, uh, yet. Not to say that I might not be in the future if we don't see anything concrete, but 
I just think that some people are possibly going over the edge. Uh, and with that, we'll move on to television. Uh, some some bit of late breaking news here as, as we record, actually. Uh, Netflix has announced that Kevin Smith will be the showrunner on a new He-Man anime series, and it will continue the stories from the original cartoon from the 80s. So it will pick up where it left off, uh, try to close the gap on some... Uh, on some other uh, episodes and characters and things like this. So I- I'm excited. I I hopefully this will be something worthwhile to watch. I- I've never really watched He-Man back in the day, but I just knew that it was super cheesy. Uh, if Kevin Smith, though, is attached, I, I know that it will be in good hands. Uh, he's like the uber nerd, if, if you really think about things. So if anyone's going to honor it right and do it right, it's it's going to be it's, it's going to be him. Uh, Netflix also announced a new animated series uh, called Agent King, and it's going to be an adult animated comedy about Elvis becoming a spy for the CIA and FBI and things like this. Oh, God, where do they come up with these ideas? Uh, Sci-Fi sadly announced that they will not be renewing Krypton. Uh, They've also shelved their Lobo TV project. However, the showrunner... Uh, said there is hope for the show to live on, possibly HBO Max or DC Universe or another network. Um, so Krypton isn't officially dead yet. So if you guys were fans of the show, I watched the first couple episodes of the first season. I liked it. I haven't gotten back to it. Uh, I actually just signed up for DC Universe, so I'm, I'm going to check it out on there finally and Young Justice and Titans and things like this and, and get caught up on, on things I, I should have been watching months ago. Uh, especially as as we get ready for uh, the Harley Quinn show to come. Uh, in shocking surprise to no one, it was announced that the Loki show will serve as a prequel to Lo- Thor Love and Thunder when that comes out. Um, and then I got some news out of the Arrowverse. Uh, Mark Guggenheim, who's like the in charge of all the Arrowverse shows, uh, said that Arrow's final season, or Arrow, final like scene in the final episode excuse me, will have to jump through a lot of logistical hurdles if they want to pull off what he's written perfectly. He said he never wanted to close himself off to ideas. Um, However, if they are unable to film it for whatever reason, he said he will share the script pages on the day of the finale so people can at least have an idea of what he wanted to do but was not able to pull off. And then Marvel TV announced that they will also be producing content for Disney Plus which is really weird because that's going to definitely be some confusion uh, involved with uh, with that and then the MCU shows. So Marvel TV while they do have some tangential connections to while they do have some, some tangential connections as I keep repeating myself to the MCU especially with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. they still have kind of completely gone away from completely gone away from like the the movies because it, it's hard to to plan those around a movie just because TV production and movie production are on totally different scales but I I think that would be disingenuous to some fans as it will be very con- very confusing but I'm sure they'll figure out a way to make it work um and then before I get into some reviews of stuff this isn't official yet but I'm I'm giddy like a school child. Uh, but Deadline is reporting 
Um, and this was kind of reported last week. I didn't really want to talk on it because not many people had, had backed up the story, but a lot more backed up the story this week. I'm sure we'll get confirmation at D23 next week. But an Obi-Wan series starring Ewan McGregor is apparently being worked at on right now for Disney+. Plus. Now, this is makes me fucking ecstat- ecstatic because it, it's been what 14 years since Re- return of the sith revenge of the sith return of the sith god damn it nick anyway it's uh, been 14 years since revenge of the sith which puts uh, puts us about five years before a new hope in the timeline i, I think this would be perfect uh, you can do some things where you can go back in time a couple years you can uh, stick around in this time and then still have a few years to play around before a new hope starts uh, Ewan's the perfect age for it. I Oh man, I'm so excited. Maybe they could even redo the scene from Rebels, you know, the final fight between Maul and, and Obi-Wan. Obviously they'd have to cast like a live action Ezra. The only thing is, that fight with Maul, obviously it would have to take place closer, closer to the end of, uh, or closer to the beginning of A New Hope, uh, since... Solo, which is about 10 years in between, uh, has him still leading Crimson Dawn. So there, there's some some things in the timeline that would have to get cleaned up, obviously. Um, I'm sure it could be a flashback of some sort or something. My only hope is that they take some elements from the, from the old canon uh, John Jackson Miller Kenobi book, which was about Obi-Wan and living in, in being a hermit, living in exile on Tatooine. Uh, interacting with local farmers and things like this. that That's something I hope that they draw some inspiration from, if, if this turns out to be true. Obviously, it, it's not confirmed yet. It's not... I mean, I mean, it's all this is all wishful thinking, really. But that that's something I, I would hope for. Uh, that was a great book in the old canon. It was towards the end. Um, it also tied into what would become, you know, the, the Legacy series with uh, Darth Krat and, and things like this, who was formerly a Shard Het... Uh, the Jedi sand person, but obviously a lot of things like that wouldn't wouldn't stay. But I, I'm I'm ecstatic. We'll we'll find out more at D23 uh, in about a week or two. Uh, see if that officially gets announced. But before we move on to movies, I don't know how I f- I just completely forgot to talk about Glow last week. And I know that's not really a show you'd expect me to talk about. That show's amazing. It's on Netflix. It's about the gorgeous ladies of res- wrestling. Hence Glow. It's uh, based on reality. And uh, it stars, uh, uh, wow, I can't think of her name. Uh, well, Mark Maron's in it, that's for sure. He's great as, uh, like, the director in it. Um, and can't think of her name. Uh, she played Annie in Community. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on her name. But uh, Glow Season 3, a little less focus on the wrestling compared to the, the previous seasons. That's about them and their move to Vegas. But what's great about this season is it's more about the, the, the toll it takes on their their psyche almost like being away from friends and family and things like this and and doing a show in Vegas for six months and then getting extended a year and things like this. And it's, it's real interesting to see the different dynamics between the characters as, as this really affects their lives and everything like this. And it really plays into the whole eighties thing and how Vegas was kind of like old Vegas was kind of dying. Um, Gina Davis was a welcome addition to the cast. She's, she's got a minor part, but she she plays her character perfectly. Uh, they really explored 
more of Mark Maron's character, which I love. It's one of the main reasons I like the show so much is, is his character. But the other thing I like is they kind of focused on characters that didn't get a whole lot of airtime in the previous seasons, giving them more more face time so you could get to understand them and their quirks and things like this. And, and I, I loved it. Overall, though, I'd say it was probably like an 8 out of 10 for the whole season. Uh, but that's on that's on Netflix now if you guys want to check that out. It's a good comedy show. If you like wrestling, it's there. It, it doesn't shy away from adult themes uh, or language for that matter. So uh, that's, that's an option for you guys. Uh, and then finally, um, this is kind of just bridging the gap between TV and movies. The Invader Zim movie finally premiered on Netflix. Uh, Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus. And it... it got right into the thick of it with Invader Zim. It felt exactly like the old show from what I remember, and uh, all the characters were great. There were there were a couple things that were off. Some design changes obviously were made just to make sure it fit. A um, couple characters were, were recast obvious, for obvious reasons. Um, people get older, don't sound the same. Um, except for Dim, Dib. Dib and Zim were obviously the same voice actors. They sounded perfect, sounded like they didn't really age at all. And the animation was just a little bit different, a little more stylized than it, it was. My, my, my biggest complaint, though, is it seemed to be more of a Dib story than a Zim story. And, you know, that that's just me being nitpicky and, and things like that. But, again, it, it's my personal preference. Um, there was also a new character called, like, Mini Moose. And I had to go and, like, look this up. And apparently he had... He was in one episode of the show before it was canceled, uh, but he had a more of a presence in the comic, which now I really want to read because um, I was kind of lost in that regard. But uh, it it is something that it is something that 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 I did I was happy to watch. Uh, it was an hour long, so it was around seven seven point five to me. Uh, if I if I was going to rate it on a scale of ten, happy to watch it, and uh, I, I hope maybe this will bring more. More Invader Zim, maybe more Rocco. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, though, they'll uh, put Invader Zim on Netflix or something so so we can watch it. But can't wait to see uh, how that goes. And let's talk about the movies now. And no surprise at all, the Lion King remake has now surpassed, surpassed Frozen as the highest grossing animated film of all time. Uh, as of last week... At the end of last week, it was at $1.335 billion. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And speaking of Disney remakes, uh, Disney is now looking at a potential sequel to Aladdin. Uh, unsurprisingly, it will not be The Return of Jafar. Uh, they said it would be something that you've never seen done before. Which, uh, makes sense, really. I mean, if, if there was any movie that could really continue, it's Aladdin, and I think the remake left the door open for potential sequels. Uh, I don't know if... if I don't know how they would explain the genie situation. Granted, I don't know if he became human or stayed a genie. They didn't really make that super clear like they did in the old cartoon. But it, uh, uh, if anything, I would welcome a sequel. Like, we're getting a sequel to Maleficent, and that's weird to me. But, yeah. And we're going to stay on the Disney track here for a little bit longer. Uh, in no, Also, no surprise, uh, Toy Story 4 has crossed the billion-dollar mark bringing their total number of movies that made a billion this year to five. And the only non-Disney movie to do it was uh, Spider-Man. Uh, I mean, a couple other movies made a billion, but Disney just keeps on rolling. and They got a couple more movies to go. I don't know if Maleficent will make a billion, but you know Rise of the Skywalker will. Like, that that's, that's almost a guarantee. 
sticking with uh, moving on to Star Wars though, uh, the brother of John Williams, who's actually a percussionist and and records with John when he does uh, movie scores, said that every theme that you ever heard in any Star Wars movie will be in The Rise of Skywalker in some capacity. That kind of reminds me with what Danny Elfman did with the John Williams Superman and his Batman score in the Justice League score, kind of weaving it in, fitting it in where it was necessary. And also said that there's going to be about 135 minutes of music in The Rise of Skywalker, which some people say could hint at the film's length, which points me closer to a three-hour runtime, if you ask me. That's a lot of fucking music. That That's, a, what, two hours is 120 minutes. Uh, usually all the, the music isn't for all the film. 135 is just over two hours. I'm guessing, I'm guessing closer, I'm guessing the movie's going to be between two and a half to three hours in that mark, if you ask me. Um, and then last bit, Ryan Johnson, despite some rumors and, and reports, uh, is not leaving the Star Wars franchise just yet. And... Um, was giving an interview, despite the fact he's he's still working on a movie that's not part of Star Wars. Um, he said that the new trilogy will help him move beyond the legacy characters and, uh, oh, with the Observer, sorry. I think that the fun and challenging part of it is to dive in, figure out what's exciting, and then figure out what it's going to be. We're doing something that steps beyond the legacy characters. What does that look like? To me, the blue sky element of it is what was most striking about it. I know the way that I'm coming at it and what's fun about it for everyone in George Lucas's films is figuring out what's the next step. It really makes you think and figure out what the essence of Star Wars is for me and what will look like moving forward. I take that as a breath of fresh air. I know people hated The Last Jedi. I know people want him removed from his own trilogy. But, I mean, he gets to play around with characters that are going to be new. Maybe he'll he'll draw from the old EU and, and do things there. But this will allow Star Wars to move beyond the Skywalkers, beyond, beyond, move beyond the saga and kind of exist on its own, make something new. I, I, I welcome that. Um, granted, there's a lot of risks involved. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. There's a lot of things that could go right. I'm not worried yet, mainly because this movie hasn't started production they haven't even announced what the plans are. This is years away still. I, I think we need to all dial back some hatred here. You need to people need to reevaluate things. I get the criticisms that are levied against against the Last Jedi. I have criticisms against the Force Awakens that that people jerk off that movie a little too much, if you ask me. And we're we're nearing the end of the saga, the main saga, and this is going to give us time to reflect on certain things. And, and try to understand that Star Wars can exist beyond Luke and Anakin and Obi-Wan and Vader and Kylo and Rey and things like this and, and Leia. We, we can move beyond that. And depending on where this, these stories end up falling in the timeline, I, I welcome this. And I will be the first person to say I will have my butt in the seat when this movie releases. No qualms, nothing. I will sit there and watch it and take it at face value and make a decision then. And we still have a couple years away from that. Um, we're going to keep riding this Disney train just a little bit longer here. Uh, final bit of news. Idris Elba has uh, stated that he would like to play Heimdall again, despite uh, hating and making it vo verbally clear that he hated doing Thor 2. Um, he said uh, no word on if Heimdall is officially dead and things like this. And granted, uh, this isn't the first person to come back 
to the Thor franchise and wanted to be back after not liking what was going on in the previous Thor movies. And it's all thanks to Taika Waititi and what he did with Thor Ragnarok. So I don't know what he did, but he got Chris Hemsworth jazzed again. Somehow he was able to get Natalie Portman to come back, and now Idris wants to come back and do Heimdall some more. So I I welcome that. I would like to see Heimdall in in Love and Thunder or maybe some other Heimdall project. That'd be really cool. Uh, But that's it for the House of Mouse. Neil Blomkamp announced that he is no longer directing the RoboCop Returns movie. Uh, Unfortunately, because of scheduling, he is unable to do the project and and has to move on to do something else. Um, He said he will definitely be in the theater and can't wait to watch it with the rest of the fans. Uh, Then we also got some new casting news on the Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, Ludi Lin, who was up for a role in Shang-Chi, has now joined the Mortal Kombat as Liu Kang. Uh, Tadanobu Asano, uh, who was one of the Warriors 3 in the Thor movie, speaking of Thor is currently in talks to play Raiden. And then Makad Brooks, who you might know as Jimmy Olsen from the Supergirl show, uh, will be Jax. And I think he's a little too small to play Jax uh, in, in terms of size. I mean, Jax is usually shown as this, like, really buff dude with, like, big-ass arms before he gets his metal arms. And Makad Brooks kind of is uh, tall and lanky. Yeah, he's got some muscle to him. I mean, he played a, a hero on, on Supergirl and Jimmy Olsen, I should say. Um, I just don't know, I don't know if, uh, I don't know, I don't know if he's the right person for Jax, that's, that's my only thing, but yeah, that's, uh, that's it on that one, and then last bit of movie news before we move on to some other things, uh, the director of John Wick, the first John Wick, Chad Stileski, is apparently joining the Birds of Prey movie, uh, or the One Emancipation of Harley Quinn, I think, uh, I'm missing some things there, um, but he's gonna join the movie for the second unit to oversee the fight and action scenes to make sure they look as realistic and as visceral as possible. Um, What's weird, though, is he won't be credited, and this is per The Hollywood Reporter. And uh, that's it for movie news. Uh, No movie review this week, unfortunately. Um, But we do have some other things to talk about. George R. R. Martin was being interviewed. Uh, This man just cannot keep his mouth shut, really. And is now blaming the show for why he didn't fin- hasn't finished Winds of Winter. Uh, this is again with The Observer. He said that it doesn't change anything at all. You can't please any everybody, so you've got to please yourself on, on the ending and how he won't change anything. Um, he also said, I don't think the TV series was very good for me. The very thing that should have speeded me up actually slowed me down. Every day I sat down to write, and even if I had a good day, I'd feel terrible because I'd be thinking... My God, I have to finish the book. I've only written four pages when I should have written 40. Like, no, dude. Like, it, 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 that's not an excuse. You, meaning George R.R. R. Martin, let me, let, me just, let me just give you guys a, a sense of, of what, what's happened since the last Game of Thrones book. He wrote The Wit and Wisdom of Tyrion Lannister, a quote collection from A Song of Ice and Fire. He wrote The Princess and, a Qu- and, and the Queen, a novella, from Ice and Fire, The Rogue Prince, another novella and prequel, The World of Ice and Fire, a reference book, The History of Westeros, apparently is essentially what it is, The Ice Dragon, a young adult illustrated novel, reworked version of the original, uh, A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, a collection and compilation of the first three tales of Duncan Egg. I mean, he, I'm sure he didn't do as much writing, but he did that. The Sons of the Dragon, a novella and Song of Ice and Fire prequel, and then Fire and Blood, another reference book in the history of House Targaryen. 
Plus, he was writing episodes for the show. Plus, he was working on Night Flyers. Like, this dude... No. 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 He... He is just making excuses for why he couldn't finish his book and wanted to see how the show played out. He's he's a he's just he's making excuses for a book that should have been done a, a decade ago. It, it, like no, uh-uh. I, I get out of here with your nonsense, George R. R. Martin. It was ridiculous, ridiculous, stupid. And uh, don't go rushing out to sell your Pokemon cards just yet because someone did sell their original set, uh, original first editions of the original Pokemon cards for $100,000. And like I said, don't go rushing out to sell your cards just yet because these were first edition cards that were in near perfect condition. Not a blemish, not a scratch, not 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 anything missing. The perfect blue borders on the back, um, the foil wasn't sun-bleached or... or, 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 or anything. These cards are in perfect, perfect condition. Now, I have I have a first edition Charizard. Sorry, scratch that. It's not first edition, but it is the original holographic Charizard card. Now, the condition it's in, I could probably get 150 bucks, maybe. I don't think I could get the 400 bucks, which you usually get, you get for a first edition. For the amount of first editions I have, I don't think I would ever get near 100 grand. But it's something to think about. If you never threw out your cards and they haven't been handled much and they were put in protective cases in the beginning, you might be able to get a pretty penny for them if they're holographic, if they're first editions, uh, and they're from the original run. So that's something interesting. And the final bit of news we have today, uh, really interesting news actually, but Loot Crate has filed for bankruptcy um, amid layoffs and things like this, which I had not known about, which honestly explains why everything's been kind of late and there's been a lot of repeat products and a lot of stuff that's been lacking in quality um, compared to what they've done in the past and, and you've heard me guys you, you heard me guys complain about it um, I thought they were getting a little too big and expanding a little too fast they released a press conference and reportedly laid off dozens of employees this is according to the LA Times uh, without severance which is really really shitty um, um they also shuttered a warehouse and laid off almost 150 workers in May. The CEO, though, said, We are very pleased with our progress from an oper operational efficiency standpoint. The company still faces li liquidity issues. Apparently, they owe upwards of $30 million in trade debt and almost $6 million in taxes, on top of the nearly $20 million worth of boxes that its customers have paid for but not yet received, which uh, I think I have three or four right now. Um, also, which I don't understand how you get into that much debt. Um, they also said daily operations will continue as usual. Crates will be shipped and all aspects of the business will go on as before the Chapter 11 filing. We will continue to be paid as usual during this transaction uh, as to what employees are left. This is all was reported on Monday. The thing, though, that was really weird is I actually got an email from them on Sunday night last week pretty much saying that they had been purchased. I don't know why a lot of these articles didn't mention that, um, but let me just pull up that email so I can read that to you guys. So this is the email that went out on August 11th. I'm writing you with news, or hey looter, I'm writing you with news. Loot Crate is being acquired. Our proposed buyer Loot Crate Acquisition LLC is an affiliate of existing invest of an existing investor, Moneycrest LLC, who is providing us with immediate financial support. They know our company well. They have invested in Loot Crate in the past and have been a great partner. 
As part of the sale agreement, Loot Crate filed for Chapter 11 reorganization. The purpose of the Chapter 11 filing is to facilitate the sale of business and position the company to achieve the delivery times and customer experience you deserve. You, the looters, are our top priority. Our existing investors providing us with up to $10 million in new financing, which allows us to continue our daily operations, and we intend to fulfill your subscriptions. Look forward for updates on delivery soon. As you are a big part of our looter family, you will be receiving more communications from us during the sale process. Our goal is to fill the promises made to you, and we will be updating you with shipping and delivery dates as soon as we have them. Uh, for more information on this process, to answer some questions you might have, please see the fact below. We appreciate your continued support. Um, someone, so question, why did Loot Crate file for Chapter 11? Uh, Loot Crate filed, for, filed voluntary positions under Chapter 11 of the United States Bankruptcy Code to implement the sale of its business to Loot Crate Acquisition, LLC. What does this mean for my subscription? You do not need to do anything. Our buyer is providing us with new financing, which allows us to continue our daily operations, and our goal is to fill all of your subscriptions, past, present, and future. Someone, uh, Another question. I didn't get a box like I was supposed to. Will it still come? Yes, you can expect updates on any past delivery soon. Other questions, obviously really interesting. I don't know if 10 million is going to cover everything. Uh, and then uh, four days ago, they also released another email. Um, hey, looters, you might have read the news or received our last email about the current state of affairs at Loot Crate. In short, Loot Crate has agreed to be acquired and our investor has provided us with 10 million to continue normal business operations. What does that mean for you? Our number one priority is getting your crates past, present, and future to you. Keep an eye out for updates. So, yeah, really unfortunate i hopefully they can get things figured out and maybe stop giving us repeat items and and missing items and delays that have been plaguing them for the last year now really it's been very frustrating i had gotten the special edition lord of the rings crates that were supposed to be delivered uh almost five months ago and they've both been delayed um last i heard they're supposed to be coming this month or september but uh it's really unfortunate i mean they have a, a ridiculous amount of of crates right now, subscription services. They have the sports crates. They have uh, this is this is what they got: regular loot crate, loot crate DX, loot wear, loot anime, loot fright, loot sci-fi, loot. What is this remix? Whatever that is, mix of past loot crate items for any of our crate lines. Okay, so that's just old stuff. Then, which I'm guessing they just have sitting around in a warehouse. Then they have J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World, which I think is bi-monthly. Um, and, oh, going back to loot, loot wear, there's like three uh, three or four of those by themselves. There's Marvel Gear and Goods, which I think is bi-monthly. There's Deadpool, which is bi-monthly. The Slam Crate, WWE, which is bi-monthly. Hello Kitty, Rick and Morty, which is going to be quarterly, which hasn't shipped yet and was supposed to. That got delayed. There's Loot Gaming. Then there's Halo Legendary Crate, which is now coming to an end and will be transitioning to something else. There's the Fallout Crate. There's the Elder Scrolls Crate. There's Equip, which is going to take the place of Halo Legendary Crate. Then they had limited editions of a Batman, Marvel 80 Years, My Hero Academia, Adult Swim, and The Lord of the Rings. Plus, plus they have their Sports Crate division. Like, like what's going on? What is going on? It's, it's, it's ridiculous ridiculous and they, they like i said i think they got a little too big for their britches and um i i hope everything works out because i've enjoyed getting loot crate for the last three years or so and um i don't know i hope it all works out but that's it for nick's nerd news 
Uh, like I stated at the top of the show, check out nixnerdnews.com. You guys can find our links to Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook there, all under News. if you prefer to search on your own. Um, also, you can listen to the show right in your browser if you like, or you can listen to us on the go. Uh, Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. Uh, links to those pages are also at nixnerdnews.com. Make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And as always, uh, you do you, huh? Don't let the haters get you down. You live the life you want to live. Living your best life, huh? That's uh, that's how I always say. And uh, just a little words of wisdom from Mike the Situation. If you guys watch Jersey Shore, a calm sea never made an experienced sailor. Or something along those lines. You, you, you get what I'm saying. But uh, it's been real. I'll catch you guys next week uh, talking about Gamescom and uh, whatever happens in the meantime. We'll talk about Succession. Uh, the Righteous Gemstones premieres tonight, so we'll talk about that next week as well. Uh, that's the new Danny McBride show on HBO. But uh, have a good one. Catch you later.